This is Suddenly Family. I'm Samuel Burke, and these are the true stories of people's lives forever changed by at-home DNA tests. These kits are a cash cow for big companies. Soon, the DNA testing market will be a $10 billion industry. There's a secret side to these tests, though, which the companies don't like to talk about. More than one in four people who take a DNA test are shocked to find out they have a close family member they never even knew existed. Wayne Lane lives in Alabama, and his DNA discovery sets off a domino effect going all the way to Asia and back. He had told me a story about going into the Philippines and trying to smuggle alcohol back onto the ship. The name she gave him was made up. It was totally fictitious. There's no way anybody would have ever known about this. There's no way that information would have gotten overseas. It just wouldn't have happened. And I thought, maybe I'm better off leaving this alone. A man from Alabama holds the fate of a man from the Philippines in his hands. That's coming up on Suddenly Family. If you're listening to this podcast, that means you appreciate investigative storytelling. What if you had the chance to investigate and share important stories? Whether you want to dive into a new career in journalism or start your own investigative podcast, the Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communication at Arizona State University offers a variety of graduate programs just for you. My first step was visiting cronkite.asu.edu where you can explore the master's degrees in investigative journalism, mass communication, and sports journalism. Now, back to Suddenly Family. Wayne, what got you into DNA testing and genealogy? I did not really have a strong interest in ancestry, per se, until I started delving, and then I just fell in love with it and spent time every month trying to add more pieces to the puzzle. I'm fascinated with it now. And so I've kept my subscription to Ancestry live, sometimes lunchtime, pastime, sometimes on the weekends. I'll play around a little bit and try to find additional information. There's a mystery on my mother's side of the family that I won't get into, but it's one I would love to find out about. But that's my reason for being there. Now I'm fascinated with it. So you go looking for information, but one day some information goes looking for you. I got an email through Ancestry that said, hey, looks like we're a close family match. I'm looking for my father. I was born in the Philippines and I found out I was adopted a few years ago and I'm just looking. So I thought, well, gosh, I'd love to help the guy. And so I go out and look in Ancestry and if you're familiar with Ancestry at all, you can go into DNA and look at close matches. So it was easy to find. So I found him and I looked and the first matches that popped up were on my mom's side of the family. And I sent him an email and said, apparently you're actually on my mom's side of the family. And I had a couple uncles that were in World War II. So it wasn't, you know, outside the realm of possibility that they had been in the Philippines. So I sent him an email back and said, hey, what's your age? And I'll be glad to help you any way I can. So. While waiting for him to return the email, I'm studying, and there's a link to my dad's side of the family, too. And this is where things start to get confusing for Wayne Lane. At first, Wayne only sees this Filipino man is related to Wayne's mom's side of the family, so this man could easily be some type of cousin to Wayne. 
But now Wayne realizes this Filipino man is related to both Wayne's mom and dad. So this man could be Wayne's brother or Wayne's nephew. So I'm really delving into his DNA history. And it's dawning on me that he's a lot closer than I thought. And then he responded with an age. And my brother was in the Navy during Vietnam conflict. He's my brother's son. He's my nephew. And I got so excited, just never dreamed anything like that would happen out of this ancestry stuff I was doing. And so we decided through email to talk. So Wayne Lane realizes that this Filipino man, John Tompkins, is his nephew. John is Wayne's brother's son. In just a few hours' time, Wayne has figured out more about the life of John Tompkins than even John Tompkins knows. John, take me back to your childhood in the Philippines and then coming to the U.S. Oh, I had a great childhood. I was uh, born in Olongapo City, Philippines. I lived there till I was four. My father, who raised me, was in the Navy. And we moved to San Diego when I was four years old. Filipino culture was very much alive in our family. My biggest connection with the Filipino culture is with our Filipino food. And it's something that I've carried on with my family today, so it's still a big part of our family. I didn't speak any English when I moved here to the United States. School was tough. Kids could be uh, pretty ruthless. Gotten a lot of confrontations when I was younger because of the language barrier, and uh, I had to overcome that. And I was lucky that I had great teachers at that young age who helped me learn English. And in spite of those initial challenges, John, you end up doing really well for yourself. You join the U.S. Armed Forces, you have a successful career in business, eventually you have your own family and have kids. And then some years ago, when your mom passes away, you end up stumbling upon something life-changing? Yes, in 2001, and that's when I learned that the father who raised me wasn't my father. Growing up, I always had a feeling that he wasn't my father. Not because he mistreated me or anything like that. There was just little things that keep me off. When they would celebrate anniversaries, their anniversary day or the number of years they were married were less than my age. And He didn't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out, hey, something's not right. But as a kid, you don't think about it much. And I just put that in the back of my mind and didn't even think about it because I didn't want to know. And when my mom passed, my father, he was was very distraught. And he asked if I could help find some insurance paperwork he had in his records. And while going through files in his office, I found my adoption papers. This was the day after my mom passed, and it was heart-wrenching. It was like I lost my mom and my dad at the same time. It was almost too much to uh, take. My dad just told me, you know, I always wanted to tell you, your mother made me not say anything to you. She made me promise I wouldn't say anything, but he took it well. My brothers, on the other hand, were pretty shocked. My father, who raised me, 
was the biological father of my two younger siblings. And my brothers never had a clue. My dad raised me like I was one of his own. There was never any difference in how I was treated or how I was raised. He was good at that. It was a long night that night. And just a lot of reassurance to my brothers that, hey, we're still brothers. Nothing's changed, you know? Dad loves me and I love dad and we're still related by blood. So once we got through that that night, everything was fine. And did things change between you and your father? Did you need time to readjust to things being out in the open now? No, as soon as I said it, it seemed like there was a big sigh of relief on his face that, okay, now it's out and we can talk about it. It was a turning point in our relationship where I think we became even closer. There's something to be said about a man who chooses to raise someone as their son versus having that obligation because that person is genetically your son and you, you're supposed to raise him. So I think we gained a lot more respect for my father. John's mom had only given her husband, the man who raised John, a few very vague details about John's biological father. She said that just like her husband, this other man was a white American, also in the Navy, but had an Italian last name. So when John gets this information for the first time and Googles it, strangely, not a single result for that Italian last name turns up. Nothing. John tells himself he doesn't need to find out who his biological father is, and nearly two decades go by like this. Then, in 2019, John has a health scare, so he decides to take a DNA test. It had nothing to do with finding my ancestry or trying to find out who my biological father was. All I wanted to do was find out if there was something in my DNA that my kids may be genetically dispositioned to health-wise. I get my results and I'm like, okay, I am a 49% Filipino, which makes sense. And then I was 35% English, and 10% Irish. And I was like, wow, there is no Italian in here at all. And after I get all the cool little ethnicity background stuff, where your family may originate, the following day I get an email and it says, we found a close DNA match. And that's when my heart dropped. And I saw the email and I remember sitting in my chair in my office at work, just staring at it for five minutes and my hands started shaking and the hairs on my arm started uh, getting goosebumps and I didn't know what I wanted to do with that. My initial reaction was to delete it and not say anything. So I thought about it and the next day at work I opened it up again and I clicked the link and it showed this man wearing an Alabama football t-shirt He'd had a very cheery disposition, I could tell just from his picture. So I sent him a message to Ancestry and said, 
hey, I'm pretty new to this DNA stuff. I'm not sure how, but Ancestry says we're related. I don't know who my biological father is. I'm pretty sure we're related on that side, but I'm not sure how. And I get a message and uh, it says, may I call you? So you remember Wayne Lane back in Alabama? Wayne picks up the phone and tells John that he is John's uncle. I was overjoyed. First of all, this was a quest for family. And all of a sudden, there's family that I had no idea I was looking for. Second of all, I decided in my first conversation with John, and I told him so. I said, John, even if this doesn't work out with my brother and his family, I want us to remain together. I want us to stay close. And he said, I would love to do that. So from the very first conversation with John, I just felt like he was family. So I talked to him and I told him that my brother who has Parkinson's, his primary caretaker is his wife. And I didn't want to cause anything between them. They've been married for a long time. I would have to really think about this before I let my brother know. And John, who is so special, said, I'm just going to leave this up for you. John Tompkins seems like an outstanding guy to his newfound uncle. But Wayne is agonizing over whether he should tell his brother about this discovery. And this is the part about DNA testing that almost nobody realizes they might be getting themselves into. Most people don't think they may discover their brother has a child who even the brother doesn't know about. Wayne definitely never imagined he'd be in this surreal position, deciding whether to disrupt the balance of his brother's life and tell him that all those years ago in the Philippines, he'd fathered a son. Initially, I knew he was on shore leave. I've heard crazy, wild stories. My sister-in-law is such a wonderful person didn't want to interject that to her, even though this was before they were met. If it had been a different time and different era, there's no way anybody would have ever known about this. There's no way that information would have gotten overseas. It just wouldn't have happened. And I thought, maybe I'm better off leaving this alone. And I had counsel from other parts of my family. They sort of thought the same thing. So just like that, the opportunity for a father to find out about a son and for a son to meet his father may have just passed them by. Podcasts shed light on stories that otherwise may not be told. What if you could be that voice for someone? Well, you can. The Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communication at Arizona State University allows you to do just that. Become an investigative journalist, a strategic communicator in the media field, or a thought leader in the world of sports. Do what I did. Visit cronkite.asu.edu to learn more about their graduate degrees. Who will you become at the Cronkite School? Now, back to Suddenly Family. Wayne, you've discovered a nephew. Your brother has a son he doesn't know about, and now you're really experiencing torment, figuring out whether this is information that you should or shouldn't pass on to your brother. What are the arguments in your head as you try to figure out what the right thing to do is? I had to to really do some soul search, and I got to where I couldn't sleep at night because I felt like I was holding information from my family, and we're close. Our family is close. 
So I called my brother and told him. It's taken weeks for Wayne to tell his brother about the son he never even knew he had. On the sidelines, that son, John Tompkins, has been waiting and waiting to find out if he'll ever get a chance to talk with his biological father. John's thinking maybe they can just have a single conversation, or if that's not something this man wants, maybe they can exchange a couple of emails and John can ask him a few questions. This is all swirling around in John's mind as he's getting ready for work every day. And I get a call early in the morning from a number I didn't recognize on my cell phone. And for some reason, when I saw that number, I started to panic. I just, this feeling of unsettledness just sat in and I almost didn't pick it up, but I answered it. And the person on the line says, can I speak to John? I said, "Uh, yeah, speaking. And he says, hi, this is your father, Chuck. The first thing that came out of my mouth was, how'd you meet my mom? Right to the point. Right to the point. Very blunt. And he took it well. And he told me he was on an aircraft carrier. He was in the Philippines. And they only had two days of liberty. They were getting ready to go to Vietnam. And the second day, he finally had a chance to go out in town. And his buddy came up to him and said, uh, Hey, I met this really nice girl last night, and she's got a friend. Do you want to go and hang out with us? And he said, yeah, sounds great. So they went out, and that friend was my mother. And he told me they had a great time. They went out to dinner, and they went out dancing. And He said he was very honest with my mother and said, Look, I'm about to go to Vietnam. I don't know if I'll ever see you again, but I would like it if you spent the night with me. And they did. And my mother never saw him again. And I doubt if she even had his name. I was like, wow, this is some Miss Saigon stuff here. Was it hard hearing about your mom's sex life? I think a lot of people don't realize when you take a DNA test that you might have to relive your parents' sex life. Yeah, it was. It was It was still hard that, okay, I was the product of a one-night stand. I understood and I forgave him instantly. And once he was able to explain himself, everything was okay after that. And then I was able to open up to him and, and start telling him, hey, this is who I am. This is how I was raised. Then he dropped the bomb on me that I had a brother and sister. And I think of everything I learned, finding out that I had other siblings that I didn't know about, hit me the hardest, got me the most emotional. John had never even thought about the possibility he has half-siblings out there. This blows his mind because now he sees his family puzzle is missing pieces he didn't even know exist. John's really only expecting one or two phone calls with his biological father and for everyone to go on with their lives. Soon though, there are lots of calls going back and forth and John finds a bond is growing with his father and with his newly discovered half-siblings. So quickly, John decides he needs to take a trip from his home in San Diego to Georgia to meet all of them in person. We get to the house 
And um, I walk in and I see my dad. He's sitting in his recliner. And I was already told that he had Parkinson's and he didn't move very well. And he stood up. And uh, I was like, wow, he stood up for me. And I knew he couldn't do that. So it, um, it was very emotional. I made a beeline to him, <laughs> gave him a big hug, and uh, we're both crying. I'm dying to know what the man at the center of all this, John's biological father, feels about this stunning DNA revelation. What's it like for Chuck Lane to be in his 70s and find out he has a son from the Philippines? It doesn't take any convincing. Chuck agrees to speak with me right away. His Parkinson's makes it very difficult for him to speak, so Chuck's daughter, that's John's half-sister, Stephanie, agrees to help me speak with him. Mr. Lane, I'm just curious, what went through your mind when your brother told you that you had a son you didn't know about? He said it was a definitely an interesting afternoon. Did it seem plausible to him? It was plausible. <laughs> he said, oh, it was plausible. Did you want to figure out if it was true, or had you heard enough evidence that you thought it was true? No. He said he had heard enough evidence. I've spoken to so many people who've located a biological father through a DNA test, but so many times the father simply doesn't respond. So what made you want to meet John? The young man himself wants you meet him, you know. He said the young man himself, once you meet him, you'll know. What was he like when you met him? He's just easy to talk to. Dad said it was just easy. He's easy to talk to. It was magic. That's Chuck Lane's wife, Lee Lane, chiming in. And just so you're clear, she and Chuck Lane were not together yet when Chuck was stationed in Asia all those years ago. But learning her husband had a son with another woman before she and Chuck were married was really challenging for her at first. I was upset in the very beginning. I had a hard time wrapping my head around it for a little while. And then I talked to him and it all went away. Stephanie, maybe I could ask you a few questions? Of course. What I've heard through the grapevine is that there was some distance or some differences between you and Bryant, the brother you were raised with, and that a lot of that's changed since your new brother, John, entered the picture. How does a perfect stranger walk in and change that dynamic? We had a very, a very fractured relationship. I didn't realize I was carrying as much of the responsibility in our relationship and what it had become. Long story short, John called me one day and he said, Stephanie, you know, one of the things that I've learned the most about you is that you have so much room for forgiveness. If you can have that much forgiveness for everybody else, why can't you forgive your brother? And he apparently had had a similar conversation with Bryant, which led to me calling Bryant and having about an hour long conversation where we explained a lot of things on both of our sides that we had held on to and viewed from our own perspective and never reached out to the other one to see maybe their view from the same story and changed a lot about how we deal with each other and how we handle things and mended something that had been years and years and years in the works. And I'm very thankful that 
John had the foresight to call me out and help build that bridge. Why do you think that John has been able to do what you and your immediate family couldn't do? I think probably the fact that he hasn't been here the whole time helped, believe it or not. John stepped in and he saw not what was broken, but what could be fixed. And I think that when you're extremely close to a situation, it's harder to step outside and see anything but what's broken. It's incredible to think that this almost didn't happen. Initially, John was going to take a test with the company 23andMe, but he went with Ancestry DNA instead just because they were having a sale. If John would have gone with 23andMe, he wouldn't have matched up with his uncle, Wayne Lane, who's only on Ancestry DNA. And even after they matched, Wayne almost didn't tell his brother about this DNA bombshell. Today, Wayne has zero regrets. Now John is not part of our family. John is family. He has a half-brother and sister, my niece and nephew. They are all so close. My niece and nephew were not that close for years. And since John's been in the family, they're all, they talk about going on trips together. John has become such a, it's like he was always there. And I could not be more happy for the results. Uh, you never know when you do something like this, what could happen. And I could not be happier. John Tompkins has had the good fortune of both the dad who raised him as well as his biological father in his life. This DNA discovery, which he didn't seek out, has brought a major realignment in John's life. In order for all this good to come out of it, that was a part of my life that needed to be solved. And that part of the story needed to be told and people needed to know. And it just seemed after that, I had much more clarity on what I needed to do as a father, as a husband. I had to get my butt back in church and strengthen my relationship with God. And that's what happened. And then I've just been blessed ever since. Just a few days after I spoke with John's biological father, Chuck Lane, he passed away. He was 71 years old. For seven sweet months, Chuck and John were a part of each other's lives. This podcast is dedicated to Chuck Lane's memory, which lives on in his family, especially in his children, Bryant, Stephanie, and John. On the next episode, a gay man's journey of self-acceptance takes him to what may be the most unexpected DNA result of them all. I looked at her message and she said that she had shocking news. She told me that he passed away. I was like, well, how did he die? Where was he? I was very confused. It just all of a sudden hit me and I started crying uncontrollably and clicking on everywhere that I could. That's on the following edition of Suddenly Family, a production of CNN Philippines and Loomis Productions. Our editors are Lori Burke, Elizabeth Joseph, and Elaine Lee. Sound engineer, Levi Mercurio. Executive producer, Michelle Ancheta. Executive consultant, Armi Harin Bennett. This show is created, written, and hosted by me, 
I'm Samuel Berg. I have a responsibility as a journalist to tell the public what's going on. Now more than ever, the role of the media and journalists is extremely important. I make that first rough draft of history into again. As journalists, we deliver the news, we give the right kind of information. News really has the power to shape and influence a person's perspective of the world. It's about the people, it's about the stories. We verify, we confirm. We double-check, we triple-check from different sources to give them the truth. Trust in one word, I would believe, is integrity. You can't force trust. You have to earn it. People can't trust me if they know that I don't know what I'm talking about. It can be very challenging, but it's very, very fulfilling. News. 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 News you can trust. News you can trust. This is CNN Philippines. News. You can trust.